In today's episode of OAN Connects, we speak to community member artist Philip Smith on his craft in autumn artistry. We also speak to community member and Twitch streamer David Prieto on how he began live gaming on Twitch during COVID-19. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the OAN Connects podcast. My name is Jessica Joaquin, ad sales slash newsperson for the Autumn Action News. And today I am here with my co-host, Marissa Johnson. How's it going, Marissa? Hey, Jess. I'm doing pretty good. It's a whole new year. Did you, are you watching Cobra Kai? I forgot to ask. I have not had time. I need to set aside like what, is it 10 episodes? I got to set aside like 10 hours because there's no way that I can do it without a full binge. I'm trying to carve out some time in my life, you know, so soon. Did you finish it? Yes, of course. I can't wait for you to catch up, to watch it, to binge it. Yeah, there's other couple of shows I need to catch up on. I actually just got Disney Plus and I watched Soul and that was a recommendation by you. Yes, yes. it's so good. It's very good, and I'm trying to encourage everybody that I know who is kind of in that situation with life right now, right? And I, it was such a uplifting, helpful movie that, you know, definitely changed the tone that was kind of going on internally in me, you know? We kind of get caught up in this mundane stuff daily, especially during quarantine. It's just the same stuff every single day and you don't really know how to go about living your life that you used to enjoy. Definitely. And it came out at the perfect time. It's something that everybody needed to watch in order to feel good and get that light back into their life about what life is. Definitely. Um, That's going to be Soul on Disney Plus. If you guys if you guys get a chance to try and check that one out, it was it was really good. All right, Marissa, well, let's get into our first interview. As I understand, you talked with a community artist. Yes. So first up, we have community artist Philip Smith. I had a chance to speak with him regarding his artistry, his craft, and let's take a listen to what he has to say. My name is Philip Smith from Salt River, Pima Maricopa Indian Community, and I am a local artist. And I am also a, um employee at Salt River Schools as the culture language specialist. So tell me about your artwork. When did you first start getting into your artwork? And tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, most of my artwork is uh, mostly pencil, uh, pencil and ink, with, a, with uh, currently with um, digital media now, um, with mixed media. Um, I started I started art very young as a child and then developed it over time until I got to until I went to um, Scottsdale Community College, where I then took many um, art classes to uh, become more, I guess, uh, more professional and a little bit more um, to hone my skills a little bit just to get more imp- uh, improvement and to get into realism. And then once I got into realism, then I kind of went back, I kind of went back to just going to simple kind of cartoon, cartoony slash kind of like an anime look to it. And it's it's not just that either. Like I've seen you do weaving and baskets and everything. You kind of dabble into everything. Yes, uh, yes. Apart from uh, contemporary contemporary art work, which is mostly like two dimensional. I think it was in my early early twenties. I became interested in um, traditional crafts. Um, I think it was through the Autumn um, Pipash language program that they had uh, classes, and I took and I took any one that I can get into. And from there, I kind of honed my skills there, learning anything I can, whether it was information and then trying it myself. And over uh, over the years, I've been able to uh, pretty much 
become very proficient in most of them. Um, basket, uh, regular basketry, textile weaving, cotton, uh, God, I can't think of, I think there's pretty much most of the uh, shell work and um, a little bit of pottery, but mostly, mostly the crafts that are not as, not as common uh, in the community now. Like, for example, cotton, they're using with uh, our natural cotton and uh, the burden basket, uh, storage baskets. And that's pretty much the main ones that I work with um, whenever I, whenever I get into it. <laughs> and then you, you took these skills to social media and it's kind of like you're teaching people through your platforms. Yes. Yes, um, uh, I was very hesitant at first when I, I think it was like, God, I think it's been on social media probably for the four years now. And mm-hmm. I was very hesitant to even put anything when it came to cultural stuff. And it was always because um, I always wasn't too sure how people would react to it. If it was something drawn, it was it was very, um, you know, very personal. That was like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's very personal. That's just something that I, you know, that I just did for fun. But then once I started to get into um, the traditional part, like tradi- uh, showing traditional crafts or just even um, giving a little bit of information and then going from there to post now posting mostly a lot of stuff that's history, information and uh, language. And it was definitely a little bit different because, again, it was always I feel like, you know, I kind of have that sense of like, oh, it's kind of like within the community. But then on social media, it's very public so anybody can see it. Mm-hmm. But then I, I began to realize that many people who began to follow me and many people began to ask questions. It was mostly community members as well as other um, other Otham from uh, Hill River, Akchin, and Don Otham. So it was very good to see that they were interested in what I had to offer. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely um, reassuring to see that I was. it was perfectly fine for me to share the cultural aspects of everything that I had and the knowledge that I had accumulated over the years. So it's, it was pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like um, you want to help. It's definitely very obvious that you want to help and preserve the culture and especially with the language through online with helping people understand how to properly and efficiently say a word or a phrase. Yeah, and it was mostly through this um, when we went into lockdown that that I really went into um, the language part and the culture part more because it kind of um, uh, very odd to just be at home and just not to do anything. And then I, um, I was, I wasn't uh, able to teach my classes and, um, we were, I wasn't, I wasn't able to see my students. So I was like, well, you know, I have all this knowledge. And, and also another aspect was again, that kind of that aspect when you're somebody within a community who masters a certain craft or the language is documentation. And, um, I always hear this from other people, like, you know, they they always say like you know if when I'm you know if I, uh, if anything happens to me at least I have so, you know I have something here for someone else to take over and I can you know it's not all gone that knowledge isn't completely gone it's somewhere yeah. and I kind of felt that way I've always felt that way is that well I I'm I'm always open to learn uh, not to learn but to teach anybody who's willing to learn yeah. and I don't want to um, knowledge and then just have it uh, go to waste I want to make sure that somebody else also um, is uh, uh, learning and will carry that on themselves. And is that kind of where the doorway opened for you to teach over, you know, with the yes. tribe? Yes. Um, it started, it was very interesting because um, while I was going to school for just for art, I saw that a job opening for just as a, a teacher aide for the art department. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'm doing art as well. And I can, you know, teach a little bit and help out. And then from there, then it, I saw a position open for language and for culture. And I was like, oh, I can, you know, well, 
I know enough. Um, and then I began to, again, research myself and then was able to go from there. And I was like, oh, okay, I have all the resources um, at home because I just collect books and <laughs> books and yeah. anything that I have. And and from there, I um, began to practice my practice language and then look up everything I could, uh, write it down, compile it, and then it just went from there. <laughs> so how is it that you teach your students? And can you tell me a little bit about the curriculum? Uh, the curriculum, well, uh, because our classes are so are still pretty brand new and still are still, um, I would say, still in um, development as to what we want, what we want to see in terms of like fluency or how we want our students to, like, what we want our students to know throughout the year or what they should um, be able to know at the end of the year. It's very different depending on their um, the, their grades. Uh, for my, most of my students, they were all um, junior high, so. Uh, seventh grade and eighth grade. So for them, it was very much kind of like getting back into um, kind of like first grade, kind of like in first grade, you're like, okay, what's your vowels? What are the sounds that they make? And here's, you know, the examples. So for most of the curriculum, it's going into the um, orthography of the language, making sure they know what, what sound does the C make? What sound does the E make? What sound does the I make? It's not the same as English and kind of like saying, we're just kind of going back to first grade, but we're just doing it in, in complete autumn. And then we just mm -hmm. grow from there. And have them know at least some aspects of um, grammar, not too much because it, uh, for seventh grade and eighth grade, that's a huge thing. That's like um, kind of like uh, like oh, you're going into like ling linguistics and everything. That's really really you know big for them to. That's a really um, advanced sort of language for them to kind of comprehend. So we have to just go okay. You just kind of go slow. This is how you can ask a question. This is how you can change it a little bit to change it to a different question, and then we just build on from there. But it's um, yeah, it was it's a it's still a process right now, but um, we're always trying to um, improve ourselves. And in the past, I think it was uh, in the past five years, we've definitely we definitely have a good curriculum, a small curriculum for our students from first grade to eighth grade. We definitely have a good range of where we want them to be able to at least introduce themselves uh, fluently, ask someone questions of like, where are you from? Who are your uh, family? Things like that. And then we have definitely gone into identifying uh, questions or identifying statements so that they can be like, okay, make us just make a general statement. How do you feel? Are you tired? Or, you know, are you hungry? Or are you good? Or ask somebody, ask someone, are they hungry? Or are they tired? You know, things like that. Very small sentences, but at least they're able to um, ask questions and then build from there. And and that's all through the language side. Do you intertwine the art or is that like two yes. separate things? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, the art part, uh, again, I was, again, I, I because I'm like, okay, I know that they know some things about, cult, you know, culture when it comes to like crafts and things. Most of them definitely are aware of like pottery and basketry because those are definitely the main ones that we always see around the community. But uh, this last, last two years, I definitely were, was able to in, um, integrate more uh, traditional, other traditional crafts, um, like bas uh, storage baskets, which are very much um, very thin, flat, um, tall baskets. And little, I did a little bit with them on weaving the little sash belts and things like that, Little uh, making little looms and uh, getting into miniature um, burden baskets. And again, it's, um, it was very, it was very interesting to see how many of our, many of our students uh, from the community are very, um, are, are very um, hands-on. They they definitely uh, are very quick to learn when it's something that they can feel and they can see. And even when they do, even when they uh, make something, uh, I guess a mistake, they're able to they're able to um, 
correct it very very easily because I'm like, okay, yeah, try this, and then you know it's just kind of like repetitive. But they definitely can, they'll definitely just sit there and they'll just do it because it's something that's simple. But they can see it. It's pro, uh, uh, they can see the progress of what they're making. And it definitely is uh, something that they're like surprised that they can make something with their hands rather than just kind of like uh, something that's like uh, like uh, regular art. When it's some, when the teacher says to draw something, they're kind of like, oh, I don't know, I don't know how to do it because it's just too it's too abstract. Where something that's physical that they can see, they can problem solve right then and there, and they're able to just uh, correct it or just continue it. You went right into it. Um, I was about to ask that same question, like, what has the feedback been? But it sounds very, very positive. And it sounds like the the students, you know, are just surprised with themselves that they're able to do it. That's awesome. That's really awesome. So overall, you know, you're still you're still teaching, you're still doing things. And what is the main goal for yourself? Like, I know we kind of touched on it with, you know, you want to leave behind things so that other people can, you know, pick it up and keep going. So what would, what kind of adding to that, what do you hope to continue to learn and to continue to pass down? For myself, I definitely want to be able to not just um, teach, you know, just teach the art, but also to master it. I, I, I always tell myself, I know when, I know a lot or I know how to do things. But at this, even at this point, I still wouldn't call myself a master of any, any of the regular, any of the uh, traditional crafts just yet. I know how to do it. But again, it's just sort of that thing of like, well, I'm still learning myself and I'm still trying to also teach others as I am lear- as I am continuing to learn techniques and uh, construction and things like that. But uh, for myself, I definitely want to make sure that I have something for everybody to uh, partake in at some point, not just with the traditional uh, the traditional arts, but also uh, with the contemporary art. I I still am trying to see about be, uh, fully be, uh, fully becoming a, an illustrator because then I I I always like to draw and it's always been something that I've always wanted to do and uh, doing these little uh, sketches and then posting them and then uh, seeing people's feedback but also seeing how people definitely I, I guess connect with it connect with you know seeing these little characters that I draw and seeing it in the culture or seeing a cultural aspect onto it and getting a great feedback from it. Yeah. Everything from the beginning, it sounds like you were all self-taught and you just continued. And mm-hmm. Yeah, and I always I always try to, um, especially when it comes to like specific uh, art forms that I've learned, like beadwork, um, the burden basket, um, those ones I definitely, I always try to, I always credit people like uh, for um, beadwork. I, I learned from a community member here. Uh, her name is Gretchen Howard. She lives just right down the road from me. <laughs> she, she taught me and she was the first uh, first one who taught me a traditional craft, which was the um, the Pipash uh, beaded capes. So I learned that from her. And then Royce Manuel was the one who was uh, who taught me how to process agave fibers to make it into a burden basket. And he definitely helped me out a, a really big with that um, craft because um, now I um, pretty much my house is pretty much like a like a, a workshop slash a studio since I have so much um, so much uh, raw materials ready to process or waiting to be processed and I'm just waiting I always wait for the time that I the extra time that I have to do it. <laughs> I saw your photos of Philip's work in the newspaper and he sounds like he's a well-rounded, talented guy. Yeah, I mean, he's self-taught. He did everything, his own research, and then reaching out to other people to continue to learn. So that's always a big thing is that if you don't know something, you know, there's always resources around. And I think that's really cool that he reached out to them. And he also, of course, gives them credit, too. All right. So 
Next up, we have a good friend of mine. His name is David Prieto, who is a full-time Twitch streamer. And if you don't know what Twitch streaming it is, it is a platform where you can go live in front of a camera and play video games with other people who can come in and watch. So he tells us a little bit about that and how he got started during COVID-19. When did you start taking streaming seriously? About a couple of months ago, just because I just wanted to play more, you know, different types of games. And I feel like I put in more time. I don't know. I didn't really, I mean, I would play games, but I wouldn't stream. Like, I wouldn't stream myself playing, but I just got in the habit of just turning it on because I wouldn't do that before. And how has it grown so far from when you first started to now? Uh, it's grown a little bit. I mean, I think for the longest time I didn't have that many followers, but ever since I was consistently streaming, I started gaining more. And I think it's all about consistency, I guess. For people who don't know what streaming is for you, can you explain what you do, your process, and what it is? Um, I mean, I guess it is it's a platform for people who play games, and it's all it is is just real time gameplay footage. I don't know. It's just I don't know, watching somebody else play something. Why do you think people like to watch people play games? I think it's because, I don't know, I, I feel like it's more about trying to see what the game is all about first, sort of like watching how it all unfolds before actually buying it. Or it could be also that like some people don't have the money to, you know, buy all these games because there's so many and I get it too. Um, so I feel like it's all about like people who can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who want to see like reviews of it first and like, you know, witness it themselves. What kind of community did you build for your platform? So I started with Dark Souls. And for that, I think so many people tuned in is because it was my first playthrough. I kind of wanted to incorporate that more, maybe play a lot more first time games that I've never played before. So I feel like a lot of people come in because of that little niche, you know, just to check it out. (laughs) Some people just come by and look. I've always heard there's different types of um, streamers, like some are entertainers, some are comedians, some are, um, shoot, I forgot, there's three types, but um, that kind of sounds like yours, and from what I've seen with yours, is that people are entertained and like to listen to you talk and interact with you a lot. Do you say you get a lot of interaction? Yeah. I mean, I think I would say for the most part, I mean, I try to interact with people uh, through the chat just so like, you know, some people don't like feel left out or anything or like, you know, they're just watching it just to watch it. I think a lot of people do need to connect with the people that are watching just so it's, uh, you know, it just makes them feel like they're actually talking to you. Can you take us back to when you first started gaming? How you got into gaming? Uh, since I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, I've been playing games for so long. I think maybe the first console I ever played on was the NES. And that was like the original uh, Nintendo system. Even though like at the time I was, you know, made before I was born. But I did play like Mario on it. That's like my first recollection of playing a game. And it was at a friend's house. And then from there, you just continued to play games as you got older, and it's turned into what it is now. Yeah, yeah, just played games all day, every day. <laughs> just never stopped. I don't know. Just really find, find enjoyment in playing games. 
Is there other things that kind of connected that you do outside of gaming that relates to games or even show how dedicated you are to gaming? Like um, midnight lunches, conventions, buying merch. Just what is your dedication to that world? My outlook, I guess. I would buy some stuff that represented games and whatnot and actual conventions, you know, going to like Evo and stuff. And that's probably like one of the only things I ever did was do something competitively, I guess. Yeah. Let me, let me stop you right there with the competitiveness. Would you say that you compete at a competitive level? Probably not to where the pro players, Mm -hmm. but you have to give yourself credit for actually competing. Yeah. I mean, there's only certain games that I can actually play that I want to be like, really good at uh super smash brothers i like a lot i think that one a good outlet for me to actually you know delve deeper into just wanted to play at a higher level i guess than an average player would you know be playing at. and how does somebody get to that level how do you get to what level you're at i don't know i, I was playing it since i was a kid i mean i played all the ones on nintendo 64 and gamecube it just led up to this point, you know, as I got older, I feel like I just kind of grasped all, you know, the aspects of that game because I played it so much. Just I kind of learned the ins and outs. I don't know. But I don't know. I really wanted to put myself into it just as I got older. I feel like I could do something, you know, more. What is your channel right now? What do you want it to become? Uh, my channel... I guess I would say play all types of games. I'm I'm not just like a set, like gaming, you know, just one game channel. Like I do like to play different types of games. I think I do want it to be like a variety stream, just whatever I feel like playing. And maybe for, I don't know, the future, probably keep it that way. I mean, I would do a lot more for if I do ever come become an affiliate. I would actually have more stuff to engage with, with the people that follow me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something I want for the future, just to like have an actual, like really small community. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's about it though. Awesome. So you can watch David live stream on Twitch at two foul spelled two, like the number two foul F O W L and check out his gaming. That's really cool. That's really, really cool. Well, nice. All right. Well, let's go help David out and get some, uh, get him some followers. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of OAN Connects. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News and at News on Instagram. We're constantly posting all kinds of stuff, all of our articles. We got some photos and things like that. So go check us out. All right, Marissa, you want to say you have anything else before we end this episode? Continue to wear your mask. Help stop the spread. Well said, Marissa. All right, guys, we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. See ya.